guys, gals, and non-binary pals. My name is Tyler Phillips, and I'm a social work student here at the University of Calgary. I wanted to start this podcast off with a land acknowledgement. CGSW Radio broadcasts out of Mokinsis, Calgary, Alberta, at the University of Calgary campus radio station located on Treaty 7 land. CGSW would like to acknowledge the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta, which includes the Blackfoot Confederacy, comprised of the Siksika, Pakani, and Kainai First Nations, and the Sutina First Nations, and the Stony Dakota, including the Chiniki, Bearspaw, and Wesley First Nations. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. CGSW would also like to note that the University of Calgary is situated on land adjacent to where the Bow River meets the Elbow River, and that the traditional Blackfoot name of this place is Mokinsis, to which we now call the city of Calgary. On this episode of Shifting Perspectives, I will be interviewing fellow social worker and podcaster Elizabeth, who is the host of The Unfiltered Social Worker, which I found on Spotify. Throughout the episode, we'll be discussing things like self-care and the difficulties with it, as well as some reasons why it is actually super beneficial to become a podcaster as a social worker, and it's how it's a great outlet, and other topics just like words of advice and things you just were not prepared for as a social worker. We will also be discussing about how much we have changed and developed since entering into the field of social work and how that has shaped our professional practice. Please note that this episode contains explicit language that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listeners' discretion is advised. And on that note, let's jump right into it. Thank you for listening and supporting 90.9 CGSW Radio. What inspired you to start a social working podcast? It's a loaded question. (laughs) Uh, So I was, at the time that I started the podcast, I was going through a really big career transition. So I had been working, I was basically a workaholic and I talked about that a lot in my podcast. I was overworking myself, doing all the things as we social workers do. And I just kind of hit a point, I hit a wall where I was like, what am I doing? Like, I don't have to be doing all these things. And I kind of hit a a point where I started going back to like my own therapy, doing a lot of personal growth work of my own traumas, all the things. And I just realized that I needed to make a life change. And so when I did that, I transitioned to private practice. I was doing private practice on the side, but just fully doing that. And focusing on that and then I um I don't know I was like I think I need to have another outlet so I started a podcast as you do you know I'm not just gonna I don't know I guess I could have journaled uh but I decided to start a podcast and it kind of became like my little online journal where I was like hey I wonder if there's other social workers that um kind of feel the same way and have similar struggles and yeah like I said it's a loaded question but that's that's my answer (laughs) I like well I I've stumbled upon your podcast um, as I was beginning this one, and it was just like refreshing to hear so many things that I was just like, wow, I'm like, I feel validated <laughs> mm-hmm. with a lot of like what you yeah. were saying, and like, um, you're like much more far along with your like e- education, and like I guess you're in private practice, so like you're you have a clinical um, master's degree, right? Um, yeah, and like mm-hmm. in Alberta. Um, in Canada here like we we can be a social worker like a registered social worker even at a diploma level 
Um, oh. Yeah, so it's a little okay. bit it's a little bit different. It's like kind of interesting that we can do that because um, you yeah. can't do that in every like province in our country. Um, so one of the main reasons like I went back to school was so I I wanted to I want my education to go further. So just in case I wanted to you know switch provinces or move like anywhere. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I think it's really cool that you started this podcast because it really helped me, um, begin mine as well, um, for my Mm -hmm. practicum and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I like, I don't know. I definitely relate to a lot of things you say in your podcast and I, I, yeah, I just appreciate the, the words of wisdom. Oh my goodness. I, well, I appreciate you listening. It's just, yeah, it's really cool to connect with people who listen. And I, I love hearing what you said about it's, it's validating. Like, again, that's a big reason why I started it was for me to get validation of, I, I'm sure there's somebody out there that feels the same way. And I don't think we talk about the nitty gritty of social work enough. You know, we learn the concepts and the don'ts and mm-hmm. like, we don't really get into the, and the do's and the don'ts. And, but like, we don't really get into the nitty gritty of this is, this is hard, you know, like it's the nitty gritty is a lot. So, yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think because like I, I do have a diploma and I began working um, in June of 2020, which was like obviously an insane time to come into social work. Um, yeah. There's so much things I feel like I was not prepared for. And I think part of that probably does come down to the pandemic as well. Um, and I really wanted to do this like episode on what you're not prepared for as a social worker, um, because there's not actually a lot of stuff talked about on the internet, like anything you can like find. And I just wanted to like have that like open and honest like conversation because like shit is hard and like things will come up and you'll be like, oh my God, I wasn't, I never thought I would be prepared to handle it. And like, you just have to like. I was even thinking about it today, like social work, you have to get so used to working in the gray because um, it's not black and white. And I think that can be really hard for some like some people. And I don't even like I like working in the gray, but it was something to get used to for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. I did. a. I talk about that a lot on my podcast where it and they at least my education and my undergrad, we did a lot of case scenarios. Like they would, you know, they'd put out a case scenario and they'd be like, what would you do in this situation? And it's the ethical dilemmas, right? And in undergrad, it's like they present these scenarios to you and you're like, yeah, this is really hard situation. But they didn't really let us know that, no, this is going to be every situation. Like this is your whole career is ethical dilemmas and it's gray (laughs) and there's no black and white. There's not necessarily like this is right and this is wrong. It's you could go either way and good luck. Like we don't really know what the outcome is going to be, you know, like you have to make your discernment the best that it can be. So yeah, it is really, really hard and uh, it's all gray. And I feel like social workers are unique in the fact that out of any profession, I feel like we really live in the gray the most. Yeah, no, I Um, totally agree. Yeah, because there's just, again, we have our code of ethics, we have our core values, we have different concepts that we learn. But again, in that nitty gritty of working with people, there's so many different, different things that you face that you can't and we they can't present all those scenarios in school, right? Like you just can't. Um, So you're faced with 
you know, it's like that boots on the ground work. And um, it's like, okay, well, I've never heard of this or I've never been presented with this, but I'm going to do my best. So, And like the thing too about those scenarios is like, yes, like the, I just love the responses we come up with because we just have so much hopeful thinking, I think, in those moments and yeah. those undergrads. And like, it's not it's not always that easy to come up with a solution um, like it is in a yeah. classroom, right? Like um, there's so many barriers, there's so many limitations and like there's so yeah. many hoops you have to jump through to get one thing done. And I think that's coming up for a lot of people that are like having to do things like resource sheets or, um, oh, I have to, I have to figure out how to get this client to, um, complete like uh, we call it like an NSQ which is essentially um, it's for young adults and adults and youth to be able to access like housing first um, and oh, there's like okay. so you have to like have your client do this huge assessment and then they have that assessment has to be inputted into a system and then that's then they're like filtered into that system and then there's this wait list it's not yep. it's not easy like there's always like so many steps to get one thing done and I think it's can yes. be a little bit frustrating at times oh so frustrating you bring up such a good point because we're presented with more I don't want to use the word ideal but they are kind of ideal like cookie cutter situations in school and our education it's like you know you could do this or you could do that and then you kind of do the back and forth of what would this look like versus this and yeah in the real world there's so much red tape there's so many hoops to jump through and then you have scenarios where clients get really frustrated. At least that's been my experience, you know, and they're like, well, I thought you were going to do this for me. And you're like, I'm trying, I'm trying so hard to get this for you. And like, here, you know, and of course they're in crisis mode and you're trying to explain to them, these are the steps and they're frustrated, understandably. So you're frustrated. You're like, damn it. I'm just trying to do my job. I don't, you know, <laughs> it's really hard. It's really frustrating for everyone involved. No. Yeah. yeah I totally agree. I was actually, going through a very, very, very similar circumstance. I was running into this situation where, um, like I won't share too much, but like trying to find accessible housing um, in this city right now is actually quite challenging. And like, um, like it's affordable to live in Calgary right now. I would say, I would argue not. <laughs> and I would say we're entering into it, or if we aren't already, in a housing crisis. And it's really hard to explain that to um, like clients and stuff like that because they're like, well, what do you mean? There's, not, there's no housing. Um, yeah. What do you mean there's like no resources out there for me? Um, and it's just like, yeah. it can be really like almost like tiring and challenging to have to like, repeatedly be like yeah like I like I'm doing everything I can and I'm doing everything I know what I'm I can do in this moment um and you just have to yeah. be patient with that yes absolutely and it can become very hopeless for social workers right because we are doing everything that we know how to do but it still is very it's like oh my goodness I'm making all these steps and I I'm trying to make a difference and I'm trying to help but I feel like I'm hitting a wall and I can't help my client. And I know that I'm on my podcast, I talk a lot about doing our own work and having that self-awareness. Like when things happen in the field, how does it trigger us? Like what are our internal responses? And for me, for so many years, when I would come up against factors like that, where I'm like, I'm trying my best, I promise. 
I would sometimes internalize that mm-hmm. and be like, oh, this is, you know, what is wrong with me that I can't like do more or I would get really activated if clients would get upset with me, you know, and it's like, what's well, not personal at the end of the day, we're all just trying to do our best. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there that comes up with those barriers. And like, I guess like kind of on that, on that topic too, something we've been discussing a lot in my like integration class is like that feeling of imposter syndrome. Um, and I think there can be like a lot of imposter syndrome when you're first like entering into the field, especially, but I don't think, I think there's even times you still feel like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm a fraud. Like, I, I don't know. I just shouldn't be here. Um, like, I don't like, you know what I'm saying? Um, I was wondering if you've ever like experienced a feeling of that or like have struggled with that. All the time. I, it's funny you bring that up. I was just had this thought the other day on how our like actual hands-on experience is so valuable in social work. And again, I think that's what makes our field a little bit more unique as opposed to others where experience is valuable in every field, Mm -hmm. right? Like you have to have the hands-on, all of that, especially if you're working in the medical field or with people, but with social work, it's, we can only learn, in my opinion, we can only learn so much in school, in the classroom. And then after that, because it's such a gray area, gray field, it really is you're taking it day by day and you pull from the experiences that you ha- you've had. So with that imposter syndrome, I had it so much starting out because when I finished undergrad, I, I worked for a few years before going back to my master's. And it was just constantly like I was, what, 22 when I started in the field. And so I didn't know I didn't even have any life experience. Right. Like I was barely an adult out on my own. And I was like, I have these people coming to me, needing these things. Like, I don't know what in the hell I'm doing, but I'm just pretending like I do. And like asking my supervisor when I don't know, which was most of the time. And then after grad school, I started more in the therapy realm. And that's a whole other ball game, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, I learned all of these clinical concepts but I'm sitting here face to face with this person. I have no idea what to say. Yeah, I have no idea what to say to you right now. And it was just, yeah, it was constant. Um, and it was one of those things where it literally, you have to fake it till you make it, I think in this field. And it sounds, I don't know. It sounds a little like, well, that doesn't sound good. Like you're trying to help people, but you're not really knowing what you're doing. Uh, but it really is, you have to get some experience under your belt to to kind of leave that imposter syndrome behind but I don't think you ever I don't think it ever actually goes away I still have moments with clients where I'm sitting there and I'm like don't really know what to say and I've gotten to a point where I'll be a little bit more honest and straightforward with my therapy clients be like you know what I I'm not really sure Mm -hmm. like I'm not really sure the answer to that question let's just kind of sit in that together uh but yeah I think imposter syndrome is so everyone has it in this field. I mean, how can you not, you know? So it's, it, but I think that the more experience you get, the less you feel it. At least that's been my experience. No, I totally agree with you. I think like, I really, I really like what you said, like with the, when you first begin into it, like you are, are navigating that gray area. And a lot of the times you're like, okay, well, I didn't, I didn't learn this or, oh my gosh, no one told me how to do this or, you know, you're always just kind of like winging it. And like that is part of the game of social work. You have to just sort of trust your intuition, trust your gut. And I think that's yeah. a really important skill to know how to do. And I think that's something that's so critical in social work is like you have to just like trust you know what you're doing, um, even if you don't know what you're doing. 
Yes. Yeah. And that gut feeling is so important too. And they talked a lot. I I had a really good undergrad experience um, actually, but they talked a lot about using your gut feeling Mm -hmm. and they would throw out scenarios where they would say, you know, there's going to be situations very likely that may not be super safe and you have to go with your gut. And they always said that. And I never, I was like, I don't understand like what that, I understood what it meant, but I had never really experienced it you know in that sense and then when I got in the field I was like oh this is what they mean by (laughs) go with your gut like this it's that inner knowing of this this could go five different directions but this is what I feel like I need to go with and I'm just gonna do it so yeah it's super important Mm -hmm. I totally agree um yeah I think my mom always told me you know trust your gut trust your gut trust your gut I wish we did talk about that more in my undergrad because I think that's like a huge piece of it too is like you're just going to have to navigate so many situations um, that you're just not going to be prepared for. (laughs) Um, So why did you choose to become a social worker? That's another loaded question, right? Uh, So I chose to become a social worker... Well, first of all, I was super interested in mental health. I had some experiences, some relationships in high school, um, a specific relationship with someone who was very mentally ill. And, you know, I was 15, 16, 17. And when you're that age, you can't really wrap your head around what's going on. And so that relationship affected me for a lot of years. It was one of those things where my mental health was affected because there was just so much around that relationship. And so when I got into college, I took a few just basic psychology classes and I loved it. Mm -hmm. It was just something that I was like, I could really get into this. And it was, I don't know if it was necessarily healthy, but it was very much a, oh, if I can understand these concepts, I can maybe like wrap my head around, you know, the people in my life who have struggled with mental illness and like understand them better and like the whys, right? And so that's what got me initially interested in mental health and then social work. Um, I chose social work because it's a little bit more broad. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't feel like I was going to be pigeonholed into, oh, I'm going to get a psychology degree and then go get a master's in counseling. And that's all I can do. Um, I chose social work because I wanted to have options. I didn't like want to be committed to one thing um, and get into it and, you know, potentially not like it. Um, Also growing up, my parents did foster care Mm. um, for a number of years. And so I had a I was around a lot of social workers uh, growing up and I had really, really great experiences um, with that. And so I was like, huh, okay. Like it kind of bridged that gap of I've seen social workers in that capacity. Like, I think I can do that. So, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think social work is really cool because it is so broad. Um, Initially, when I went into college, I was wanting to be an addictions counselor. yeah. And, and I don't, I'm just so happy that's not where I went because <laughs> I like <laughs> yeah. having that option. Like I like having to, to know like, oh, if I don't want to work with youth anymore, I can go work with like older adults or I can go work in like there's so many different avenues you can go with social work. And that's also such a unique thing in our field. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a nurse, you're a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> well, not particularly, exactly. but like, you know what I mean? You, you, I mean, you have, again, yeah, I don't, I, in my opinion, I think you're using the same skills across the board with nursing, with social work, 
like you're working with older adults versus four-year-olds versus, you know, foster care versus mm-hmm. inpatient. I mean, you have so many different mm-hmm. skills that you can use. And for me, there were different demographics and different age groups that I was like, not for me, never going to work in that. Like I got into mental health being like only adults, no kids, no teenagers. <laughs> and then kids and teenagers became like my niche and my thing. Uh, so it's just so cool how you can, you know, you can try out different things. And if it doesn't work, there's so many other, other, you know, demographics and populations you can work with. Yeah. And I think that it is kind of fun too, when you're trying to navigate, like everyone's always like, Oh, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I'm like, you know, I'm open to anything (laughs) at this point. Cause I don't, I don't know. Like I know I really like youth. Um, when I started my, um, diploma, that I would have never told you that I would have not said that, <laughs> but yeah. uh, yep. I had a really cool um, like summer job experience as a youth worker for um, a youth center in my home hometown, and it was just so I loved it and I loved the way I just love I don't know I just love youth like they're just so fun, and then yeah. when I graduated I moved here and I became um, a youth worker at our like only youth shelter in the city yeah and it was it was a lot like it was intense um and I still I don't know I still have that love for youth even though it was so challenging um yeah I just I don't know it's they're so funny they're so fun um but I also like I know like one of like my best friends he works with older adults and that's his thing like he loves that um, yeah. and he's always like, when are you going to work with older adults? And I'm like, when I, I'll get there, I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, I need, I need all these other experiences. And then like, that'll, that'll be sprinkled in somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not ready to sit there and read wills. I don't know. I don't want to right now. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get uh, it. I had a set working with older adults. I actually really loved their demographic too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was more on the medical side of things and medical social work is just not for me. It wasn't Mm, my thing, mm -mm. but yeah. Yeah. I like, yeah, I definitely appreciate the medical social workers we have because that is a gig. I don't think I would be very good at. I did not. I did not enjoy it very much. Yeah. It's just a whole different, the whole different sphere, I think. Well, and I, I mean, I can, I can't really imagine what it's like in the in the US versus here because we have like mm-hmm. public health care where you have private and I don't I really don't I don't like I can't imagine I don't <laughs> yeah it's a whole other beast it's yeah a whole other beast yeah 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 that'd be very yeah. that'd be very interesting um okay yeah. in in one of your ep- or actually two of your episodes you talk about self-care um this pretty much like instantly drew me in because I remember I had a class um, a couple semesters ago and we were talking or there was a bunch of um, presenters from different agencies and they were sharing their opinions on self-care and how it, it's like very, it can have so many limitations and complications, especially because it's so marketed um, towards us in social services but in reality, self, self-care is not, like, easy to do, especially when it feels mm-hmm. like another task or chore you have to do on top of all the, you know, already things that are overcrowding your workload. Um, yeah. I just wanted to hear more of your thoughts on this because I think it's something that really urged 
um, that like it was really urged on students and practicing social workers that they make sure they're practicing self-care um, to prevent burnout and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. There's so many different like rabbit holes um, <laughs> to go down with that. Uh, I think, yeah, I think I did a couple episodes um, on it and <sighs> I think the issue with self care, my biggest issue with self care and then preaching self care, like in our education and such. And even like in jobs, I've had, I always had it pre, you know, take your PTO, mm-hmm. take, you know, take <laughs> yeah. your days off, and all of that. And I'm like, okay, then give me more time off. But, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's a systems issue. I really think it's a systems issue because everyone tells us to do self care and take time for yourself and such. But, of course, workloads, workloads are never going to change in this field. Like we're mm-hmm. always going to be overwhelmed with everything going on, but just giving us more, like if we're talking about workplace, um, like I said, for me, it was always take more days off. And I'm like, well, I would, I would love to feel like I can take more days off, but you're not really providing me like the support, like as when I'm gone, right? Like, yeah, to help me fill in, like, so that I don't come back and have 5,000 emails or whatnot. So I think it's a systems issue that makes it so difficult. Um, but also I think we, I like how you said it's very marketed towards our field and it's marketed in a way where it almost feels like you have to spend money or you have to do something Mm -hmm. extravagant, like, you know, oh, you have to take a vacation or you have to go, you know, go to the spa or whatever. When, in my opinion, for myself, self-care is very much about what are you doing for yourself? Like in an hour, like it doesn't even have to be like, give yourself an hour of, you're not on work mode, you know, turn your phone on silent, like give yourself some time of what do you enjoy doing? And it can be as simple as, you know, for me, I love being out in nature and where I live, we have a lot of hiking trails and a lot of waterfalls and such. Mm -hmm. And so I can literally drive seven minutes down the road to like this little hike near a waterfall and just like for an hour, go do that and do some deep breathing. For me, that's self-care. Um, you know, for someone else that maybe they love baking mm-hmm. or make a loaf of bread. Like it's a very mindful, present moment activity of something that I enjoy and it has nothing to do with work. Nobody needs anything from me. Um, so I think we've taken the concept of self-care and made it super complicated when really it's super simple, but also it's a system issue. So I don't know if that, I don't know that there's a magical answer to it or solution, but we have to be very, very intentional about it at the end of the day so there's a lot to it no I yeah I yeah for sure um I I just I know for me like it was something that was kind of being like oh you have to do this you have to do this you have to do this and I was like okay but I'm like in a very I'm in a unique situation where um my partner and I we we are in a we live in a transitional housing building for young adults um and we don't like we don't get it like we don't we're he like my partner he's now the full-time like you know person there because i've stepped away and they gave him like the full role um but at that time when things were like like shit was it in the fan (laughs) um it was like i can't i can't escape it like i can't i live here i can't like i'm on call 24 7. I also work full time. Yeah. I'm in school full time. I'm like, I can't escape it. And I don't have time to do whatever self-care. I also don't really know what to do for self-care at this point in yeah. my stressful life. 
Yes. Oh, that's such a good point. And there's, there's definitely so many seasons that we have, like, not the very specific situation where you literally, you're like, I don't have a break. Like I can't mm-hmm. just break away from this for even like a couple hours, you know? And so, yeah. It, and that's why it's so tricky, you know? And <clears throat> I've had so many seasons of my life where, and I still have a tendency to do this and sometimes you can't help it, but I'll be like, okay, I've just got to like, gr- I've just got to grind for these next like seven days. And then I can do my self care. And there's mm-hmm. like that mindset as well, you know, so, oh, it's, it's tough. It's really, really tough. And um, I almost wonder if in our education systems, if we need to have more of a, um, like getting to know yourself approach, like a self awareness, you know, mm-hmm. because for me, I wasn't, I thought I was so self aware when I graduated. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, I'm, you know, I'm super mature. And looking back, I'm like, yeah, I, I wasn't that self-aware at all mm-hmm. just because I didn't know what, I didn't know how to take care of myself. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know how, you know, what I liked. Um, so I almost wonder if we need to incorporate some sort of self-awareness, like, hey, let's, you know, what do you enjoy? What are the things that make you feel at peace within yourself? What are the things that, you know, and like to have that as more of an approach of, hey, let's get to know yourself so that when you do have time, you can do some self-care that's actually helpful. I don't mm-hmm. know. That's like a, that's me being hopeful and dreaming about, let's change the education system, you know, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other bag of worms. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're, yeah, we're not going to tackle that today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, and I, I mean, in my, I, I can't, I think it was my first year we did like a, like, like a wheel of wellness, I think it was. And it was like, oh, it's, you know, checking on like, oh, um, okay, like this is where I'm like low on my wellness scale and like trying to balance that out. But then it's just like overwhelming because I have to balance this thing out now. <laughs> and I'm like, that is true. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I've got so many things to say about like, yeah, just that whole thing with um self-care 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 and like i'm mm-hmm. like i am adhd and i i can start a hobby but am i gonna stick with it probably not i know myself yeah. yep <laughs> and yeah yeah and just trying to stay on a routine too like that's really not my thing <laughs> well and what is routine when you're in social work you know there's so many you can try to have a routine but it's it's really really tough to stick with it so yeah and it's um yeah, I I don't know which episode you listened to, but one of them I was talking about how much they just preach it to us, and I was I was pretty heated, and I was like, you just preach it, but like you're not helping us. Like give us yeah, time, give, give, us me, give me some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, help me out. Yeah, because if you like yeah. Google it and you like look at an infographic, it's like oh have a bath, like oh <laughs> get your nails done, you know. It's like oh my gosh, <laughs> that's not you're that's like, not that gonna me. disconnect me. I'm just sitting in the bath yes. thinking about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm thinking about the next thing I have to do on my on my list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how do you expect me to swim when I'm already like drowning? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's very hard. Um, and I like, yeah. I don't know. I really appreciate your like your perspective on the self-care thing because I, I don't it's hard to talk to social workers about. Oh, did you ever think about it this way? Because it, it seems like, a, you know, you're like shitting on the idea but it's a it is a good idea self-care has been around for i don't know like like many 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 years like it's 
I think I even read somewhere it was like back in like ancient Greece, like they were like, oh, (laughs) self-care. So it's just like, it's interesting that um, in this like day and age too, it's just like, it's, we already have so much going on and it just feels like another chore sometimes. Um, Yes. It's another thing on the to-do list that mm -hmm. you're like, I don't have the energy to, to make that effort. And it's like everything else in our field in theory sounds great Mm -hmm. in theory it sounds fantastic but how do we actually implement that you know it's it's definitely an ongoing conversation that we need i think we need to have more openly Mm -hmm. um, in our systems so one of the questions i do want to ask you and like i don't know if we've already maybe already touched on a lot of it but what were you what is something you weren't prepared for as a social worker yeah it's such a good question so many things, um, <laughs> all the things. Can I say all the things? No, <laughs> no you're right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> every single thing. Um, I wasn't prepared. Oh, this is such a specific one, but it's. I'll, I'll just share it because it's. I mean, it's my genuine answer. Um, for me, I wasn't prepared in how much I would actually get wrapped up in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and may and again, this is such a personal answer. Um, but I wasn't prepared for how much I would get wrapped up in the work and how much of my identity would become the work. And I feel like, well, not I feel like I talked to so many social workers now who have had such a similar experience. So I hope it resonates with people. But I went into social work being like, you know, this is something that I want to do and I'm interested and I'm passionate about helping people. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was this slippery slope of, you know, five, six, seven years later, I couldn't even have a personal life like I couldn't my mind like was never leaving the work it was just constant and I was emotionally I was in it constantly mentally I was somewhere else you know I would be sitting at like get a family get together eating food and people are talking about these topics and I'm like this is such bullshit like nobody like this is so stupid that you care about this you know and I'm like this is like you don't understand like the scenario I saw the other day with this child and this family and this abuse case and then I had to go to court and like Mm -hmm. I was just in a whole other world I was never present I was always super negative and like kind of condescending towards people in my personal life because I was like y'all have no idea what the real world is like and so (laughs) all of that to say uh I was so wrapped up in the work and it was my identity was I'm a social worker I'm a mental health professional I'm a therapist that was my whole life and that was and and so I got lost in the work and so I wasn't prepared for that there were never any conversations around that um in my education I kind of just had to have some self-awareness and get to the point of hitting that wall, which is why I started my podcast. And, oh, I'm not okay. Like Mm -hmm. mentally, physically, I need to do some of my own work. I need to take a step back and try to separate myself a little bit because I am not a martyr. Like I'm not saving the world. Mm -hmm. I need to like save myself a little bit as well. Um, So anyways, it's a very personal experience, but maybe someone can relate. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's very valuable to hear too. And I'm sure there's like, I'm sure that's very, very common Um, because it is hard to take off that, you know, hat at the door when you leave, Um, especially at the end of the day. And like some things like you'll be like, oh, yeah, that didn't bug me. And then it randomly shows up. And I think that's something I wasn't prepared for um, when I was entering in the field. Like 
I like you really learn your triggers. (laughs) Yes, you do. And I think (laughs) that was a unique experience to be like, oh, wow, like I I really don't like that. And (laughs) how do I how do I make so upset? (laughs) How do I make sure I'm being (laughs) professional in this moment? Because I don't really like things like um, a huge one for me. And I think this is maybe I've heard this from a few other people that they agree, but um, entitlement. I don't know why. I really don't know why it bothers me so much, but enti- entitlement can really set me loose. <laughs> because mm. it's just like that uh, I don't know. There it's I don't want to get into it, <laughs> but it can be really like aggravating in the moment when like you know, you're being talked down to because of that sense of entitlement. Um and you're just you're just trying to be there to help. You're just trying to be there to like be someone to listen to, right? And just do your job. And that I find that like that for me is such a trigger. Yes. Oh, I totally I feel that. I feel that. And I I wonder if that's a shared feeling among social workers because we are put in situations with clients where there's a lot of assumptions made. Maybe mm-hmm. this is a different rabbit hole, but um another common one I've heard is uh, you know, clients will, I've, I've been told this before where clients are like, well, you're just doing this for the money. Like you don't actually care about me. Oh um, and it's like, I know. And it's so funny because the experiences that I had when people would tell me, I'm like, well, I, I actually can't even pay my bills right now, but <laughs> no, literally, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but just things like that where I'm like, yeah, it's that personal trigger, right? It's that internal trigger of you have like no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's um, there's definitely a self-awareness there. Again, I always go back to self-awareness and that personal growth work of what are your triggers? What are your hot buttons? Why are they your hot buttons? You know, because mm-hmm. you know it always goes back to stuff that happened in the past, mm-hmm. um, experiences we've had. And um, yeah, lots, lots there. Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent summary too. And I really think that's like a good like little end point too is like, Get ready for some self-awareness and you need to prepare for that. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I agree. Unfortunately, that is where our interview abruptly cuts off due to it being over Zoom and there being a time limit. If you made it this far, thank you again for listening to Shifting Perspectives exclusively here on CGSW 90.9 FM radio station. If you're interested in more social working related podcast episodes, There will be a follow-up episode hosted by me, and it will be based on what you are not prepared for as a social worker. I also encourage you to listen to The Unfiltered Social Worker, which you can find on Spotify. If you have any questions or just want to chat, please feel free to email me at tyler.phillips at ucalgary.ca. Thank you again for listening. Goodbye.